0: Welcome to Talking Agility, a podcast from Accenture. Your host is Elitsa Necheva.
1: My guest today is Julian Sawyer. He is the Chief Operating Officer at Starling Bank. And Starling is what's referred to as a challenger bank. And I'm very excited to dig into Julian's perspective on enterprise agility in this episode. Julian joins me today from his office in London. Welcome to Talking Agility. It's a real pleasure having you. Hi there. So our conversation today is going to look at what you're doing at Starling Bank and how you're doing it. And as such, I wanted to ask you to introduce Starling Bank to our listeners.
0: So Starling Bank was uh, created in 2014 by our CEO, Anne Bowden who had previously worked in many of the large banks in the UK and in Ireland, and realised actually there was a a change going on in terms of making banking good, making it right, but also technology, which had not really made that huge impact on uh, consumers to date. Um, And there there was effectively a perfect storm where uh, technology on mobile technology in particular was becoming powerful enough was in everybody's hands and also secure enough at the same time for a current account or a checking account where we use that product you know, many times a day and so effectively what we're doing is focusing on putting a device which we look at hundreds of times a day with a uh, financial services product that everyone uses So we created, uh, our first product was a current account on a mobile phone for consumers. We have then subsequently launched our SME proposition, so we're offering that to small and medium sized businesses. And our third area of of Starlink is our banking services, which provides agency or sponsorship uh, services to other banks and other institutions so really when you look under the cover of Stalin, there's a lot more than what a lot of people assume which is just a a, a consumer proposition
1: You have previously said that Starlink is using its technology's DNA to debut its new digital features and services ahead of its competition and to innovate faster. So I wanted to spend some time talking about your work at Starlink and how agility factors into your business philosophy and ultimately what does it mean to be a challenger bank?
0: That's a great uh, question and and probably a fairly long one to answer. (laughs) So I think if you... Uh, I think the first thing to, to realize is that we're a technology company doing banking. And so probably our culture is closer to some of the leading technology companies like a Spotify or Netflix mm-hmm. than it is to some of the traditional banks. And that's really, really important. And I think if you look at what what it means to be a challenger or a disruptor in the market, it is doing things differently. It is thinking differently. So first of all, it's a very customer centric philosophy everything that we do is about our customer And that is incredibly important and i think a lot of uh, traditional banks have probably lost a little bit of that of that of that focus the second thing is that we have no legacy infrastructure uh, you know we've built all of our core platform and all of our uh, technology is all within amazon web services so we've used all the most up to date uh, in terms of technology in terms of approaches in terms of how we deliver solutions to our customers is is fundamentally different and then from a culture perspective it's a very flat organization we're about 380 people uh we're all based in one office in london but the the organization is very flat structured and so again when you look at a traditional company they would be or a traditional bank they'd be sitting there and going well i've got a risk committee that i'm going to schedule in 3 weeks time to require sign off etc mm-hmm. if we want to do that today we can have one today we can have one tomorrow and again the decision making process is really important mm-hmm. to be very quick very agile the appropriate level and absolutely the appropriate level of governance and control and debate, but not bureaucracy and I think that becomes really really important to the level of thinking and execution that we want to have with within the bank. And I think if you I think that's what really differentiates you know a traditional bank and, and the challenger is just that fundamental different way of, of thinking and executing.
1: That actually leads in very nicely into my second question. How do you build a strong foundational base? Um, because many of your competitors have been in the business for hundreds of years and as a new entrant, is it is it easier to start clean? Um,
0: yes, I mean, without a doubt, having a, a blank sheet of paper when we started at the bank meant that we can very easily work out what the best way of helping our customers and providing great products. Mm-hmm. I think if you, again, if you look at the incumbents, they're just burdened with legacy, with bureaucracy and you know systems, staff, KPIs that just aren't applicable to to the market. And I think this really goes down to focus at the end of the day. If you are totally focused on one product, that means that you can execute with that complete or put all your energy into that execution and i think if you look at you know a medium-sized bank in the uk um they will have you know five ten different current accounts for students young people high net worth premium accounts we have one, which means if we want to change our terms and conditions, we do it once. If we want to do a new feature, we have we tell our customers once. We only have to put it onto one channel, which is the mobile phone, etc. And so inherently, that focus is not just about in the current account space, but it's also just about how you execute on that and having that very mm-hmm. simple approach in terms of. Channel product features is 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 critically important. Now, all of that is un- underpinned with a huge amount of work and investment we've made in our security mm-hmm. infrastructure to ensure that you know our customers' money is safe. That is absolutely paramount to everything that we do. But we also then want to be able to execute on features, and there is nothing more important than getting a product into a customer's hands and you know everybody talks about minimum viable product but actually it's how you execute that minimum viable product so getting something out is incredibly important so for instance when we opened when, when we decided to go into business current accounts, it took us 12 weeks to go live with that that's a whole new you know sector if you like a whole new fundamental product and that was all about the focus of execution and and it's really important that we don't spend months and months overanalyzing every single option and is this the most optimal onboarding journey, etc. But let's get something out, let's see what customers like and what they don't like, and then iterate from from that place. Now, you know, from our onboarding process, we've changed it, I don't know, three times in the last two years. We've optimized it, we've heard, we've seen where there's operational bottlenecks, we've seen where customers don't continue on a journey. And so what we've done is we've looked at it, we've measured and we've mm-hmm. optimized it. I think if you can deliver software in such a dynamic way where you've got, typically we release software three, four, five times a day, what it means is that you can iterate and deliver a whole range of different options and then listen and learn to what customers want. So we've got a range of features. For instance, you know, uh, you know, we've got a gambling block. We've got a card freeze. So if you have a, uh, you know, if you've forgotten your card or you lost it, then you can lock it so it doesn't get uh, used by anybody. And then you find it at home, and you can then, uh, you know, unlock it. Um, these little features are just really, really straightforward for us to 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 deliver. And it's about getting it out there, seeing what customers like, which. Features do they love, and then iterate from that. And it's a just a fundamentally different way of uh, of executing. That I think is the uh, the the difference between, as I say, ourselves in a very agile world and uh, the incumbents.
1: No, indeed, and it's a really fascinating way to think about how um, it, it took you only twelve weeks to go live. It's it's uh, pretty fascinating and pretty impressive. On a day-to-day basis, I'd be curious to understand how the starting strike a balance between growth and stability? And do you fear slowing down as you grow when you're looking to scale?
0: Now, it's a good question. I think if you look at uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, safety and security is the first and primary mm-hmm. uh, level. And I think we've spent a huge amount of time and money ensuring that our platform, our uh, mobile app is safe, your money is safe and secure, uh, your data is safe and secure, and that is really, really important. And we will never underestimate how much time uh, uh, and investment that we place within that. But as we grow, you know, that doesn't actually replicate itself in more time and effort because actually our focus is on new features uh, which means that essentially we've got an underpinning foundation, if you like, of uh, everything is safe and secure, and yet we're then building on new features. And a lot of this then goes back to the, the focus, and I don't want to be um, boring on this podcast, but if you've got that focus and execution, then you are in a very different position because you can iterate lots of features incredibly quickly and so therefore we fundamentally believe that our structures and our governance and also you know the people we've got our amazing staff our great software engineers our great subject matter experts within the bank who are able to you know understand what is required and articulate it clearly and robustly and then put it through the lens of the customer and then we can get things out so we don't spend huge amounts of time planning we don't do lots of gantt charts or project managers and business analysts and all those other things it's much more important just to do something get it out into the customer and so i don't think as we grow that is going to fundamentally change yes we will have to put a little bit more structures in because we'll have uh you know more software engineers we'll have more uh, sub subject matter experts across the bank but essentially it's got to be more of the same because it's part of our dna and I think that bit is, is often lost when people go, Will the incumbents come and and you know, eat our breakfast. But the fundamental difference is here that our DNA, our ways of execution, our ways of decision making mm-hmm. is so fundamentally different that, you know, I think that we will be accelerating our delivery capability rather than 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 slowing down. And I think that understanding that is important. This is Talking Agility. Send us your feedback at Accenture.com forward slash Talking Agility.
1: Accenture Research has identified there are a number of key factors which are really well known to contribute to enterprise agility. And some of them you mentioned, the the decision making, the speed in decision making, the way you're handling risk, the ways of working, uh, the technology, of course, they all contribute to enterprise agility. So you, you do embody what an enterprise agility organization is. I wonder if we can shift um, a little bit the direction of our conversation to your talent strategy. I understand the Starling bank is growing quickly so how would you characterize your workforce in comparison to other and more established institutions?
0: It's really interesting in terms of you know being a startup and a high growth um, and in terms of then how how do you develop the the culture and I think there's probably two different aspects I would. I would point out at this point. And, you know, we we talk in the industry about fintechs. And I think what's really important is that you've got an equal measure of fin financial expertise and an equal measure of technology expertise. And I think there's a lot of fintechs who are fantastic at tech, but just don't understand the fin. And there's a lot of Fin companies who wish they were very good at tech, but actually can't actually execute it. And I think what is critically important is that, you know, everybody who, from our risk compliance, finance functions have come from banks, who've come from many, many years of experience of doing their job and the controls and the risk management, et cetera. And then you look at our product team. And I think the vast majority of them have not worked in banks. You look at our software engineers, again, the vast majority of them have not because mm-hmm. we don't need them to have worked in a bank. We need people who are thinking about the customer, who are delivering technology in new ways. And those, that leadership isn't coming from financial institutions. It's coming from other industries that have been transformed. And so I think you look at this and you go, what is that fin in that tech? And what what balance have you got? So what's really important is we've got the right people in the right roles in terms of 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 talent and i think the second point i would i would i would talk about is if you look at the culture here it's high performing all of our staff are amazing they are strong they are bright they're inquisitive they are curious they either they if they don't know the answer to something they know how to get to the answer it is, uh, and having used to work at mm-hmm. um, Accenture uh, many years ago, the culture is is pretty much like a high performing consultancy business where everybody is on top of their game. Mm-hmm. And whether that is someone who is, um, you know, young and has just joined, you know, the working life, or someone who's been is is more experienced and has come from other organisation, it is about people who are absolutely on top of their their game and are thinking things differently and are are, you know are challenging and are happy to be challenged and I think it's just a different type of person it's a different type of pace you know this isn't about internal powerpoints we don't do powerpoints internally you know therefore there isn't as much stakeholder management about okay. politics and about aligning yourself to different fractions, etc. This is about doing a job and doing a job for our customers. And I think a lot of that is um, some of the essence of a lot of the successful technology companies. Uh, a lot of the successful challengers and disruptors in other industries have just brought some really, really clever people and created an environment for them to thrive. And, you know, and it's a bit of a cliche, but Mm -hmm. it's not about the beanbags. It's not about the the table, 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 which we do have. I do honestly admit we do have those, but it's not about that. This is much more in depth. It's it's deeper. It's into our DNA. And I think that's the important part.
1: Striking the right balance of thin and thick, and having the right people in the right roles and having that high performance culture is what is bringing the advantages um, to the starting bank. Yeah. excellent i would just add a small question at the end of this one which a couple of people have asked me when i told them that i'm speaking to you today they're really curious and they say oh please ask him whether um, within starting bank within the ways of working you, you are using daily stand-ups and retrospectives which are uh, the various different ways in which you follow an agile approach and agile methodology so do you use those uh, little tricks and methodologies from the agile bag
0: Yes, we do. And it's not just a technology. I think every team will do daily stand-ups. can't think of any team that doesn't. Um, so if you come into the office at 9, 9.15, 9.30, uh, you will see lots of stand-ups happening across the, the business. And I think, you know, that's really important that people, the whole team have got clarity in mm-hmm. what's the prioritization, what are we doing and why we're doing it. Because I think a lot of businesses forget to talk to their staff about why and what's important. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, you know, whether we've got a customer or a client uh, or we've got a big opportunity, et cetera. But it's why is this important to our customers and what are we doing about it? I think is something that is missed so I think in any agile organization it's not just about the tech guys having a stand up yeah. and, and using those and everybody else going in traditional hierarchical management meetings it's much more agile fluid and a much more dynamic culture
1: it was a real pleasure speaking to you and thank you so much for taking the time to join us at the talking agility podcast
0: thank you really appreciate it
1: I hope you found this episode as insightful and interesting as I did. I want to hear from you about your own experiences transforming for agility. What have you learned? What are you still learning? And what have been your successes? This podcast is for you, our listeners. So let us know what topics you'd like to hear in our upcoming episodes. Get in touch at accenture.com forward slash talking agility. Or find me on Twitter where I'm at Elitsa Nacheva, which is E-L-I-T-S-A-N-A-C-H-E-V-A, for the avoidance of doubt. If you're enjoying Talking Agility, please like us on your podcast platform and subscribe to the podcast. We are now on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play, and your ratings and comments will help us reach a larger audience. So please don't be shy with your feedback. I'm Elita Najva, your host, and I'll speak to you next time on Talking Agility.